0: got that just in time (laughs) ladies and
1: gentlemen literally 1984
0: why explain yourself
1: it's literally 1984 right now no this is the episode for 1984 (laughs) (laughs) everybody says 1984 so it's literally 1984
0: good evening ghouls
1: good evening ghouls good evening ghouls what the fuck is going on What the fuck is up, ghouls? What the utter fuck is up, ghouls? I hope Becca's
2: mom didn't choose to start listening on this episode, because we tried to warn her about our language, and this is just starting off rough. (laughs) I mean, the first
0: episode isn't the greatest either.
2: I think the first words that we ever said on mic are, like, that that the ghouls perceived is something about like people needing to learn how to shut the fuck up. <laughs>
1: yep. Hey hey hey, Vega's mom, if you're listening, I want you to know how happy we are that you're here, but I'm also not going to speak any differently than I would normally. And don't tell grandpa. And don't tell grandpa. He Honestly, I'm that. surprised you guys told your mom you had a podcast. That seems like a rookie mistake. Yeah.
2: <laughs> we need to me. we need to boost the numbers, dude. We need to start telling all the <laughs> people who are obligated to start listening. <laughs> Good evening, uh, Goals. My name is Becca, and in
0: my mid-twenties, oh, I found that I was media, media illiterate. <laughs> media, media, so media illiterate. In order to catch like. up on, on shit and dicks, I joined the tiny <laughs> gang.
2: Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's copyright. You can't say that. I'm going to Sorry, sorry. That.
0: Bleep that out. <laughs> I joined uh, the tiny penis energy podcast.
1: That's hurtful. You you still use tiny.
0: Little penis energy podcast.
1: That's hurtful. I'm oh, a body shaming podcast, okay?
0: I don't think you should like Not that there's anyone in this in this
1: podcast that like that would describe. I'm just I'm getting offended on somebody else's behalf like a hypothetical other group. Becca,
2: don't late like, make me ruin your day right now. I'll do
1: it right Whoa. now on mic. <laughs> no. E.T. the extraterrestrial. No! <laughs> <laughs> Good evening, ghouls. My name is Alec and I do the intro around here. Uh I don't know. I discovered I was media literate in my twenties to get caught up I joined the Undead Poet Society ruled by Robert. E.T. phone home. <laughs> and Becca. What's up? If you haven't read today's subject, uh go to your homework and you literally should have read this as homework at some point yeah. in your life. I mean, Unless, like me, your English class or did all Fahrenheit. Three of us. Uh <laughs> 451
0: 451 that... 451 that's how yeah. he pronounced it it's 451 well,
1: he also
2: wrote a shitty book so <laughs> i whatever. this whole time because like this whole time you guys were like i missed this in class and i was like i'm pretty sure i read this i think i am cl- <clears throat> conflating the stories of fortnite fahrenheit 451 in this because fortnite. oh man that was a Freudian slip fortnight 451 (laughs) fortnight 451 but yeah because i started reading this and i was like wait a minute is he reading i thought that wasn't allowed and i was like wait am i i'm fucking this whole thing up so i I had it like all mixed up in my head
1: if you only have dim high school english class memories of these books then i could see why you would i i still need to read fahrenheit 451 as, as an adult but i know that like the flavor is the same right like yeah, I mean author- a lot of this authoritarian dystopia that's dystopia. trying to like destroy the human pro- like like ability for like compassion and communication and, and art yeah. and language and shit, right? It's it's more
0: or less And you know similar. similar vibes for sure. Let's get into it. Who wants to do the summary? I'll do the summary if we don't want who did the summary last time? You do the summary, you seem excited. I'm excited. I really really like has really book. been
2: the heart and soul of this uh, this book um mainly because Normally, I finish the book really early, but I just started a new job, and I don't know, like, there's something about my job that, like, I can... Normally, if I'm doing a task, I need to be doing... I need to be listening to something at the same time. Like, if I'm playing video games, I'm listening to something, if I'm doing chores or whatever. But my work is such that it takes up just enough of my brain power that I don't necessarily need a book. Like... I can definitely play a book or play a podcast or something and completely understand and comprehend what's happening. But if like, for example, like one of our coworkers is talking like, especially loud or like, he's like really getting into it. Um, and I'm a nosy little bitch. I'll like <laughs> pause my music or pause my book to like listen in or like, you know, whatever, I'll, I'll pause it for whatever reason, I start talking to somebody, and then I'll keep doing my task, and then I'll realize, like, an hour and a half later, I was like, shit, I haven't been listening to my book, which is good, I guess, like, that's, it's nice to have a job that is like that, but I'm also, my reading has uh, taken a hit in the last couple weeks, because I'm still getting into the swings of the new job, so this one was a little bit of a slog for me, but it's not necessarily because of the book, because I really enjoyed the book, it was just, like, kind of circumstances, and Becca's really been, uh, the driving force for this one
0: so um, take away big sister 1949 is when this book was written um incredibly important for uh what is to come in the literature and in like in the world in general so written in 1949 uh, 1984 is when it takes place um we st- we are set in a at the time, what is called a negative utopia and what we might call today dystopia. Um, One of three world powers. It's the country, I guess you would call Oceana, um, which is the 40 years later version of um, London. And our main character, his name is Winston Smith, and he if you, you know anything about 1984, you kind of know that everybody is being watched by Big Brother. Um, big Brother is like a a figure that, um, whether real or not, is like depicted as a man with like piercing blue eyes and a big mustache. And he appears on these telescreens, which are just big screens on the walls that are also cameras and they play music or noise or anything all hours of the day, and everybody in the um, party, which is basically just like the middle and upper class, um, have these in their homes and in their workplaces and literally everywhere. So they're always being watched. Winston, we open the book with him sitting down, or no, maybe he's the movies. I can't remember exactly how it starts. He's anyway, in the beginning, he sits down in a corner of his room or in the, his living room that is somehow not seen by the telescreen and begins writing in a book, which is prohibited um, because the party controls all um, thoughts, basically, which includes literature and books and writing and anything. And especially since he's doing it out of the view of the telescreen, we know this is a bad thing. So basically, we understand that Winston is not necessarily um, as devout to the party as he should be he meets a woman named julia who he thinks he hates and we later find out um that she loves him and convinces him to meet her outside of um the city like in the in in nature where they can't presumably be seen they fork um they fuck and they <laughs> um continue like seeing each other for a long time under like like in secret um they try to join what's called the brotherhood and in so doing receive a book written by the supposedly supposedly written by the Goldstein who is the like leader of the rebellion against the party their leader caught and taken into the Ministry of Love, which is um, concerned with torturing them until they believe their self, like until they are truly brainwashed into being devout and um, until they love Big Brother, which are the, the final words of the book, um, was that Winston loved Big Brother. And there's a lot of stuff in here that I did not think I was going to relate with, or um, things that I didn't, think I'd relate with on the same level like I knew I'd relate with a lot of things in this book being that we are in 2023 and that um technology has progressed in the way that it has but also um because I grew up in this kind of society in a lot of ways that I didn't (laughs) ever intend to read um I didn't intend to read this book like I did, and it was really revolutionary for my little psyche.
2: Big Brother is uh, just another name for the Holy Spirit, mm. the Holy Ghost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all, always watching. Um, yeah, this book was a lot hornier than I thought it was going to be, <laughs> first of all. Has to be. Which is, which was pleasant, you know what I mean? Like. I'm happy to get bricked up at the office just like anyone else, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, but on the light I it reel. was uh, a... Yeah, yeah, on the light rail. I'm definitely not the only person bricked up on the light rail, I'll tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't know that 2 plus 2 equals 5 was actually like a real Communist Party slogan. Which is interesting, because it so, it's supposed to oh. be like uh, 2 plus 2 plus the, the enthusiasm of the workers equals 5
0: interesting
2: so like that was an actual like reference for around the time which was you
0: know was kind of cool that was great yeah um alec what do you think
1: i really liked it for the first third or so it was kind of difficult for me just because i didn't feel very grounded like everything was happening around me and i didn't know why Break but we get pace. we get what's like specifically when he gets goldstein's book that it like basically gives you like a massive info mm. dump and and that's all it is is an info dump you know what yeah. i mean like but it kind of just works given the he's, setting that he's was reading it as a book
0: my favorite part of the book almost pretty much
1: it's nice because like you like as a writer you're you're warned not to info dump there's there's better ways to give exposition or to teach your readers what your world is or how your character is supposed to interact with it. and in many ways your character is supposed to be the way the viewpoint through which you discover the world. Um, but but Winston lives in a world that is hostile to understanding, you know what I mean So it's hard like everything feels like so confusing and disorienting. Um, and it's so much so that like when we finally do get an info dump, I was glad for it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like I was, ex- I was, excited I was as so Winston hungry. Was for the information you know what i mean i didn't know what the fuck like what like how the world had gotten this way because it felt like it was supposed to be grounded in realism like this like this was like an alternate history of some kind um so after that info dump after i like understood what the difference was between east asia and eurasia and oceania and how they were all basically the same and like and the info dump is just george orwell literally telling you what like like what he thinks could happen if things went as bad as they possibly can um but after that it all felt a lot more grounded and i understood better what was happening and i i personally didn't know how the book ended i I knew certain aspects of the book uh like just kind of randomly but i didn't know how it ended and i honestly didn't uh i, I didn't spend as much time reading this book as i normally do thinking about how it would end um or or trying to predict how it would end i was interested to know but i wasn't making predictions personally mm. um and the way that it ended does in retrospect feel like the only way it could have ended you know what i yeah. mean like he's just completely broken Given the by big the book, brother sure. to the point where the party doesn't even care about him anymore like they like because they know that they've won and it's just this thesis of george orwell about what like runaway authoritarianism can do to a person as well as to a society Mm. and yeah i don't know it was it was just really good i i can tell you one thing i was (laughs) i was concerned in several places by how winston thought of women uh (laughs) and and like and i don't think that that's like you, you can have as a writer you can have your main character say bad things and not personally believe those things and I think George Orwell not only doesn't have those beliefs, but the fact that Winston did in the earlier parts of this book is George Orwell trying to tell you what authoritarianism does to gender relations. You know what I mean? Like, like of course, a fucked up world is going to produce a fucked up little man like Winston, you know? Yeah. Um. And But I don't know. Specifically, the first time he and Julia kind of like get... Mm out into the country and fork and, uh, everything. She's like, what did you think of me before, uh, like, before we like did this? And he was like, when I was like, murder you. I was going to, I was going to rape you and then beat you in the head with a brick. And then George Orwell writes, and she laughed. <laughs> and I was like, uh, <laughs> for what real time? <laughs> like you were just told that, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was,
0: I don't know. I, it was dodgy. I had some hard, Hard time with, uh, yeah, how Julia herself was depicted and the fact that, you know, there's only two women in this entire book and only one of them is named, or I guess three, um, including his mom. Um, The fact that, like... I think there's as many men, though. There's not, yeah, there's not a lot of people. There's not, there's definitely more men um, than women, especially if we're going by named but um, I thought that I I really liked Julia's character. Um, the fact that like she did laugh, like that she's kind of unhinged. Like, you can't they live in this are. world, and like she craves freedom, she craves independence. But in a way that like she was born and raised in this world. Yeah. So she doesn't crave it in the same way Winston does. Um, and it's, it's something. Like... Sorry. I finished, that I, I see finish. like like uh with younger generations today compared to like us like people our age like in their later 20s versus their early 20s like and what you desire like what you crave and what's important to you the age gap obviously isn't as big as it is for winston and julia because for winston and julia it's like a matter of like 15 years maybe and um I don't know, it's just really interesting to see that kind of parallel. But also, um, I felt like her character wasn't consistent. Because, um, let's see, I did my full-ass literature bitch shit with this. Um, For those of you who don't know, I have a degree in literature and I am qualified to write things like the indomitable human spirit in my market. Let's fucking terms. go. Because that's what this book is about. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, I don't know. The
1: <laughs> human spirit feels pretty fucking indomitable. <laughs> uh,
0: not after I read you a quote, bro. Um, let's see. So Julia's like this strong, independent woman who literally is part of the anti-sex club and l- just spends her time fucking. Like... I am obsessed with her. I love her. Until until page 172. When they're excuse me, what was that? Um what I'm requesting there? she's choking I'm,
2: up dude, she's getting emotional. I'm
0: requesting that Chase take that bit, like sample that and then write a song for our she's podcast. Um
2: choked up. She thought about ET.
0: <laughs> so um her, on page 172 i have the millennial ed- or the, sorry millennial the centennial edition that's the one that everyone in high school read with the big blue eye on the front um except for us three because we somehow didn't read it in high school anyway um they're with o'brien and um he says um we have about 20 minutes at our disposal you will understand that I must start by asking you certain questions. In general terms, what are you prepared to do? Anything that we are capable of, of said Winston. Um, O'Brien had turned himself a little in his chair so that he was facing Winston. He almost ignored Julia, seeming to take it for granted that Winston could speak for her. And um, I was like, that's kind of weird that she's like letting him do this. And then he's just saying yes, yes, yes to all of these things, like um, heinous things, like... um. To commit murder, to commit acts of sabotage that will cause the deaths of hundreds of innocent people, um, to throw acid in the face of a child, like just heinous things. And then he says, You're prepared, the two of you, to separate and never see one another again. And she says, No. And I was like, That's what you're saying, Bish? Like, <laughs> you, <laughs> like, what part of you wants to be so free that can't let go of? this schlubby old man, like yeah. genuinely, what do you see in this guy other than like a, a meat puppet. And, um, that really, really hurt my feelings. Cause it didn't feel like consistent with her character. Um, what did I write down? I said, she isn't really herself. Um, why would she, why would she let him speak for her? Why should this guy matter more to her than independence? Um, Because she does crave independence and she craves it in a way that she thinks she can achieve. Like she doesn't believe in world freedom and like getting out and because she knows there's no brotherhood, you know, like she knows that there's no getting out of this society. Like she, she knew from the beginning that the way that the book ends is how it was always going to end. And she's seeking freedom in the ways that she can, like she knows, like maybe they can see me which we find out in the Ministry of Love that they indeed could see them at every waking moment, um, even when they thought there was nothing there. And um, but she it's not the freedom from those eyes, it's the freedom from like them pretending to care that she craves. So I don't understand why it matters so much that he, like, that she go along with Winston. That Winston is so important to her. And it just doesn't... That's a part of her character I just don't understand and I don't like. And I don't know. Maybe I need someone to mansplain it to me about to honest, this, I just don't this think... woman-written man. Or, sorry, I... man-written woman.
2: I To be honest, I just think, you, like, you're almost giving George Orwell too much credit by writing her well. Like, I think that mm-hmm. he like I don't think his intent was to write a good female character or like even like I feel like she from the beginning was meant to be like another like this is what happens like this is what authoritarianism does to people who grow up under this rule and like I don't know I never I never I I don't think yeah I I don't think he intended for her to be as well written in the beginning as we perceived her to be and then it feels like he pulled the rug from underneath us but i think that was his goal all along was to make her just
0: inconsistent
2: no not not that she was inconsistent but like in his head he she was always that person Mm. like you know what i mean in that like Which obviously that's a criticism. Like I'm not like defending (laughs) thinking like that. You know what I mean? I think I think it's bad, and I think it's just happenstance that he actually like kind of was doing something a little bit right in the beginning,
0: like that Um, she wasn't sex positive. She's a whore. That that's yeah, or or
2: like not that she was sex positive, but that like
0: because obviously it's 1949. Like he doesn't think anything's sex positive. You know? Yeah, (laughs) uh, and like. More that
2: he was, I, I think that he was trying to write a silly little girl, mm. like who is
0: fickle and was she was. fickle watching? and
2: yeah, and like you know f- following flits of fancy and stuff like that. And but he did it in such a way in the beginning that it kind of made me feel like, okay, this could be an interesting character. And then when she wasn't, I was like, oh, okay. So he was just doing this all along. I don't know. That's that's how that's kind of how I felt yeah, when I got that to that makes point.
0: more sense. Because I always try and read, <laughs> I like want to think the best of everyone writing yeah. strong well, women, and then you're just like for not explaining even... it to you,
2: uh, hit me with that Venmo. <laughs> the
0: mansplain. <man-screen.
1: laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think that one of the reasons that this book has staying power is George Orwell's um, ideas about language, specifically. We we're, we're we're saving it until the next episode, but we watched Arrival recently, uh, and the kind of thesis of that movie is that like the mind shaping language isn't a one way street. That language can also shape the mind, uh, and I <laughs> I don't know. It's just a really really cool idea, and in Arrival, which is maybe a little bit generous. Um, but that's a the, huge
2: spoiler that we're gonna have to bleep out
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck you and fuck yours if you haven't <laughs> seen a rival <laughs> that's
2: alright I'll bleep it out it'll be funny <laughs>
1: um, but the idea that the government could regulate language in order to like subjugate its populace's mind yeah. like, at the source is kind of fucking scary <laughs> you know by so I I mean? Mean, it too you know what I mean like,
0: I, and that was, go ahead Robert
2: uh, that
1: that that was basically it.
0: I mean, I this was another thing I really wanted to talk about. <laughs> um, they have that thing at the end that you're talking about um, about Newspeak. The the afterword. on Newspeak. It was, sorry, the appendix Which cause almost the feels is like he different.
1: made Newspeak and Wait, then the made fuck? a book around it. <laughs> I didn't have this. So it's really cool. You should read it.
0: Yeah. So page three hundred and six in my edition, he has a really good quote. And this is
2: after like the the actual narrative is over. Yeah, yeah. Correct.
0: This is a, What the fuck completely. This. this is an appendix. It's like a
1: it's like a treatise written on newspeak as if mm-hmm. it's like in world at like sometime after the events mm. that the book has transpired.
0: So, he's talking about and it, um he's talking about newspeak and kind of just what you're saying. So, um but I highlighted some things that I wanted to talk about in particular. Um I guess just directly into it, like to what you were talking about, how language controls or like rather than controlling language, language would control the mind. Um, He's talking about um, like combining words so that we have fewer words. Um, He says, this was not done solely with the object of saving time. Even in the early decades of the 20th century, telescoped words and phrases, um, had been one of the characteristic features of political language and it had been noticed that the tendency is used tendency to use abbreviations of this kind was most marked in totalitarian countries and totalitarian organizations um let's see it was perceived in that that in thus abbreviating a name one narrowed and subtly altered its meaning but by cutting out most of the associations that would otherwise cling to it um And then he talks about uh, the words communist international, which is shortened to common turn, um, is a word that can be uttered almost without taking thought. Whereas communist international is a phrase over which one is obligated to linger and at least momentarily. Um, Mm. And that like there's it's obviously it's a great essay. But um, what I wrote in the margin just to like sum up my thoughts on that was if you control language, you control connotation. And if you control connotation, you control the emotions associated with the word. And if you control emotions, you control passions. And if you can, so if you can control language, you literally control how people think and feel about the society and the, like the words you're using. You can change the terms simply by associating them with with like just just by cutting them out just by cutting them down like common turn does not feel like a big political word while communist international definitely does (laughs) and um you know i don't know it's just uh that was a thought that i had that obviously throughout the whole book where they have new speak and they're talking about things um in different ways, and like, um, where they've got double think and things like that, where you're just totally taking things out of context or putting them into new context and just messing everything up, um, talking about what it means to exist. Um, you're changing the philosophy of our society, and by changing that, you have complete control over everybody and that was that's the point control for control's sake because there is nothing else
2: well thanks for tuning in ghouls uh
1: (laughs) (laughs) power is gone i have
0: so many more thoughts but um what do you guys think
1: yeah i i
2: i don't know if this is where you were going with what you were talking about earlier but I couldn't help, given my background, comparing this to the, at times, authoritarian uh, organization that I was a part of called the Mormon Church, Um, and I thought about that a lot as we were doing this, and that's one thing that I think is interesting, is they have a preoccupation with controlling language, you know, you can't swear, you can't say this, you can't do this, like, say these words like this, and say it like this, and... There's, like, very specific... Taking oaths and like making changing. promises. and Yeah, or, or or even just, like, the name, like, going away from Mormon. It's, like, almost the opposite of what they're doing here, where instead of calling yourself a Mormon, you're calling yourself a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and it forces you to think about it, and it forces you to be different, and it forces you to, like... It, it forces people to think about you in a different way that... the And, and Mormon had become something that they didn't want to be associated with and so they distance themselves and they're kind of notorious for changing handbooks and changing the wording here and changing the wording there and you know what I mean like it's there's a lot of that that happens in the church and I never really thought about it much until reading this and I was like damn like they really do like change everything by just changing a few words here or there you know what I mean um and it it, it almost like giving themselves like grace where they don't deserve it be like oh yeah it used to say this but now it says this i was like no no no!" but it used to say that for a long time <laughs> you know what i mean and we right. we don't talk about what it used to say enough
0: and uh i definitely read this with a religious lens um
1: i didn't at I, all which is weird
0: that's crazy because I never even thought of it <laughs> the entire time i was like my notes are mostly about religion or society and religion together um but mostly mostly religion um i have several thoughts on like the the language and how it's used as well um specifically one thing you you mentioned um you mentioned two things that i really really wanted to talk about one of them was controlling um like why you have to control the language and the thoughts um, and suppressing like don't do these things do these things but like don't don't say these naughty words or don't think this way Um, that was a really big thing that they talk about in the very very beginning of the book on page 16 that was one of the first things I underlined or rather marked down I underlined a lot but I only did the big stuff Um, it was when Winston is writing in the book, and he writes the three slogans of the party: war, is peace; freedom of slavery; igno- ignorance is strength. Um, let's see.
2: That last one, especially, man. Um. That one
0: yeah, ignorance hits, is strength. That one hits wild. hard. Because um, they'll
2: like the church will literally like tell you like do not read like mm-hmm. any anti-Mormon propaganda. You know what I mean? Like, do not because read this. Because you know education,
0: what I mean? and that's another thing I wrote, education is freedom, on page 210. Um, they talked about that. Um, but this one first was, this was the first place where I saw that it was like religion. This is kind of where my lens started. It's during the two minutes hate, um, when they're all freaking out. and just fucking <laughs> dope.
2: Like, name.
0: Um, just crazy. has got it with names. Honestly. Um, they say the, uh, so it says the little sandy haired woman flung herself forward on the back of her chair, on the back of the chair in front of her with a tremulous murmur that sounded like my savior. She extended her arms towards the screen then she buried her face in her hands. It was apparent that she was uttering a prayer. And then later at the bottom of the page, partly it was a sort of hymn to the wisdom and majesty of big brother, but still more. It was an act of self-hypnosis, a deliberate drowning of consciousness by means of rhythmic noise. Um, I have really complicated feelings about religion and church and everything, and spiritual spirituality. And while I don't think it's a bad thing to be religious, and I don't think it's a bad thing to be spiritual or to find something that makes you happy in this way, um, what I grew up doing to myself was self hypnosis. What I mm. grew up doing to like making myself believe and making myself do was self-hypnosis because I had to believe in something else for the sake of my own sanity because I had all this information pouring on me um so big brother is literally their savior they they worship him um very very strongly in like in tones in the very beginning my savior uttering a prayer singing hymns um and but it's he immediately shoots it down and says like it's it is a self-hypnosis um, and that also made me want to <laughs> talk about something else, um, on page 133. Let's see. Um, that goes along with this, the self-hypnosis, um, and those restrictions that you were talking about, Robert, with like the, um, like not swearing or not saying things in a certain way not taking god's name in vain um they talked about so i was talking about fear tactics but there was a lot of other things too in here um it's page 133 let's see so they were talking about sex in some point but um
2: all right let's go
0: (laughs) i think that they (laughs) they wouldn't be able to have children or something um let's see unlike winston she had grasped the inner meaning of this party's sexual puritanism it was not merely that the sex instinct created a world of its own which was outside the party's control and which therefore had to be destroyed if possible what was more important was that sexual uh provocation induced hysteria which was desirable because uh it could be transformed into war fever and leader leader worship if you're happy inside yourself, why should you get excited about Big Brother and the three-year plans, and the two minutes hate and all the rest of the bloody rot? Um, and then in another po- uh, another part, I think on page two sixty-six, they said that they outlawed, like they outlawed orgasm. Like they, they you only had sex to have children, and if you had sex for enjoyment, like you would be killed. Um, because it leads all back to this, like depriving people of the enjoyment of sex or of, you know, like life at all, um, of the expression of your own body, of hanging out with your friends and like put, by putting limits on all of these things, you take the joy out of it. And by taking the joy out of it, you make someone dependent on you. You make someone as it says here worship you or like go into war fever or like worship fever i don't know how to describe that like like jesus fever um because in if the you're bosom, bro. right if you're happy inside yourself why should you get excited about all this bullshit so they can control you like because if you're happy, you're not going to seek for anything else. And I think that that, I don't know, it sounds really cheesy, but that I feel like is, I don't know, it is the point of the book. And I can talk about that too. We can skip to the end, but I, I won't do that right now. Um, that's what this book is about when we come all the way down to it. It's about being a person, being a human being and finding the joy In that, and not letting anyone take it away from you, because if they can do that, they've got you. And if they've got you, they can get anyone. Okay, honey. So don't (laughs) let them get your ass, because if they get your ass, they're getting all our asses, and we're going to be under Big Brother's rule. Go out more than we already are. Fuck a
2: man fifteen years older than you.
0: Do it. But they put a tumor, huh?
1: With a tumor.
0: With a tumor on his ankle but they put this fear in you and one of the ways they do it (laughs) i'm popping off you guys one of the ways they do it is at the end of this or at the bottom of this page they talk about the family okay because they're talking about sex and and so immediately goes to the family um he says um oh and right after that caring about shit like having being happy inside yourself um it says that was very true he thought there was a direct intimate connection between chastity and political orthodoxy um yeah and we can talk about that too i don't know we kind (laughs) of did but he says uh the family could not actually be abolished and indeed people were encouraged to be fond of their children in almost the old-fashioned way the children on the other hand were systematically turned against their parents and taught to spy on them and report their deviations um which we find out later um boy scout homie his little girl does to his him daughter, yeah. <laughs> that was so good um and then he takes a fat shit in the cell that <laughs> the toilet doesn't flush perfect love that (laughs) but um (laughs) we were on the light rail when i was
2: uh (laughs) reading that and i i was like man this feels a little bit too close to home
0: (laughs) but i put that um the church religion really but specifically the the mormon church um uses fear tax tactics in kind of the opposite direction um because it does use the family and here it says like that it kind of pits the family against each other in that kind of fear tactics where like if you're not on your best behavior all the time, your kids or your parents can report you and like get your ass. And the church does it in the opposite way where they tell you, and this is, this is me, this is my experience, um, you love your family, right? Like you love them. You love them so much. You would do anything for them, right? You wanna be with them forever, right? If you drink that tea, you're gonna hell. And you can't be with your family, dude. I saw a TikTok. I saw I saw a TikTok yeah. like two days ago and this girl was like, grown up Mormon is crazy because you'll just wear a tank top and drink an iced chai and think, man, this means I'm never gonna see my family in the next life. Like that's wild. <laughs> People who didn't grow up in the church just it's true. It's I'm not exaggerating. I'm not me Alec, exaggerating.
2: Me and Alec were talking about this the other day off mic, uh, at lunch, and he was just like, "It's crazy that we used to let people just tell us what to do, <laughs> like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's so bizarre to me to think of that now." Um, yeah, I don't know, and I think one of the reasons I also <laughs> associated this with like religion and stuff too is because. My, like, like actual deconstruction of what I believe started in a linguistics class when we were, me and Becca actually met in that class technically. Um, uh, technically. <laughs> but, you know, we were both uh, in relationships with <laughs> other people. <laughs> <laughs> Narcissists. Um, and, like, we were just t- talking about, it. W- it was a history of the English language, and as we were, like, as the semester kind of went along, I realized, like, it doesn't fucking matter. Like, nothing. Like, th- words do not fucking matter. Like, there's no inherent value with words. And all of it is completely arbitrary. And as, like, we were learning about this in a religious college, I'm, like, looking around. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, why are we, like, why is there such, like, Like, why can't I say damn? You know what I mean? Like, why? Like, I don't understand, like, especially now, knowing that at this college, this religious college, that I am being taught that language is completely arbitrary, then why the fuck does it matter what I'm saying? You know what I mean? And so for me, language has always been inextricably connected with my deconstruction uh, from Mormonism. And so I think that's probably a contributing factor why I was also there with you, Becca. And I have some wrinkles in my brain, unlike Alec. So yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I. Unlike you, smooth brains, you give a shit about the church. I simply just don't think about it. So, checkmate. Checkmate.
2: I mean, you know, I wish I could. <laughs> so you're right. I'm about to go iron my brain out. <laughs>
1: I've got that reality control, dude. Big Brother doesn't need to control my brain. I am hypnosis. Oh fuck, hypnosis circle, dude. <laughs> I, love yeah, I wanted it. to talk about.
2: Uh, I wanted to talk about his fucking prophecies, <laughs> like of he, the
0: Cold War, bro. Like, he, li- yeah! uh, he was like, he was <laughs> he like, bro. It. <laughs> all this shit happened. He really, he laid it out word for word. He said what happened. In the Cold War, <laughs> 20 years after it, or, like, 20 years before it happened. Homie just, like, laid it out. <laughs> he was like, okay, so this is what's going to happen.
2: It's like that uh, that Max Brooks thing where mm. he got, like, pulled aside by, the, <laughs> like, the Israeli government. They're like, how'd you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. Specifically, so when you guys were reading it, it sounds like you were thinking more about, like, the church and stuff. I was thinking about, like, I don't know in the corners of the internet that I've been on and I'm trying to get out of, uh, like I've noticed that both sides quote unquote use 1984. Like this, this is a very, yeah. this is very American centric, mm-hmm. but our political discourse right now has two very like divided sides to it that refer to themselves as the left and right, whether or not they actually are those things is a question for somebody smarter than me. But, um, I've noticed that like 1984's message to any given person seems to be that like their whoever they think is the bad guy is the yeah. bad guy you know the what I other, mean the
2: other side is the bad guy yeah the
1: other side is the bad guy and both sides of so there there's a thing called both sides of which is where there are two people arguing with one another and you try to say that, well, both sides are wrong or both sides are right. And there are sometimes where that's true and there are sometimes when it's simply not. <laughs> um, and like the 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 gut reaction or the knee-jerk reaction of a lot of media or a lot of like, like perceived centrists or neutrals, uh, like what they try to do is like in any given conflict, they try to both sidesify in order to, I don't know, retain some sense of like credibility or objectivity or neutrality or whatever it is that you want to call it. But, uh, and sometimes that's true. And sometimes it's just not, sometimes there is an objective bad guy, you know, but something that I found interesting while I was reading was trying to get into George Orwell's head about what he believed politically, because while the, like the, the politics of this, like George Orwell lived in a very political time. <laughs> there <It Yeah. laughs> was there was a lot of shit going on with some pretty wacky politics, uh, communism and fascism and and all of those things. And and just now I I mentioned those two in a way that some people might think that they're the same, and some and a lot of people would argue that they are. And I think maybe George Orwell would have argued that they are. Uh, like that. Well, if you go they to share communist some points,
2: similarities.
1: Yeah, like, if you go to communist parts of the internet, they're going to say that 1984 is about fascists, and they'll point out that, like, George Orwell volunteered in Spain to fight fascists. Like, he was very anti-fascist. However... Um, And then uh, alt-righties will say that 1984 is about, uh, like, leftists and communists because of some of, like, the techniques that, like, seem to be, like, Stalin-derived in this book, and how... The party is named English socialism, right? Like Engsoc.
2: Yeah, and Emmanuel Goldstein, like he's described as having like the mustache and like like very like or like Big Brother. Big Brother looks just like fucking Stalin. <laughs> you know what I mean?
1: <laughs> is it Stalin? I thought it was Hitler. Little beetle-like men with dark
2: mustaches. Uh, I always th- I thought he was like the piercing blue eyes and the mustache was like Stalin. Yeah, so blue eyes. I thought he had brown eyes. Big Maybe Brother. Nah, Big I mean, Brother got way. blue
0: eyes. That's why there's a blue eye on the front of the book, piercing blue eye. Huh.
2: No, no, we're talking about um,
1: Stalin. Oh,
0: okay, never mind. Yeah,
1: um, but, uh, so I, it's hard to just, because it, it's easy to both sidesify. You know what I mean? Like, oh, the communists sure. were as bad as the Nazis, or or, or vice anything, versa. Yeah. And without a without a really strong degree in related fields of history, or at least political science. I'm not sure anymore that that's true or not or whether or not, I don't know. It's, it, it, it's a really hard thing to untangle, but I guess the it's, it's, it's almost hard for me to untangle what I'm trying with the point that I'm trying to get to. And usually it's really clear for me. If you um, had some fucking wrinkles in your brain, then it wouldn't be. He's getting <laughs> them. That's to... why
0: it's taking him so long. He's, <laughs> he's putting a wrinkle.
1: Right <laughs> Hold on. One second.
0: I, um,
1: I'm taking oh, Robert from the chat. <laughs>
0: I could I share I some Robert, quotes. I've, I've got my
1: menu open and my my mouse is literally hovering over the disconnect. And I swear to God, if you talk about wrinkles in my brain one more time, then uh, <laughs> then it's going to get some fucking use. Um, but I like I I've I went through a phase in my mid twenties trying to figure out what my politics were because I didn't feel like I belonged to the politics of my parents and the church that I grew up in. But I also couldn't find a place that I really felt like. I belonged, and what I feel like currently is kind of anarchistic, not like like skater boy broken <laughs> windows-like type anarchism, but I just think authoritarianism is bad. There's a lot of discourse on leftist like, or anarchist subreddits on Reddit that say, like, should we work with communists? And I think that it comes down to whether or not you're you, the greater fear for you is capitalism or hierarchy in general. And in my opinion, I think it's hierarchy. I think capitalism is just another vessel for hierarchy and hierarchy once it's in place is really, really, really hard to do something about because hierarchy is a lot better at defending itself. than non hierarchical hierarchical forces are at dismantling hierarchy. And that's what 1984 felt like to me is like big government or totalitarianism or authoritarianism or, or ultra communism or ultra fascism, whatever you want to call it is kind of a genie in the in the idea that like you have to stop it from happening because if it happens it's kind of game over. You know what I mean? Like it it would be it would be extremely difficult if we ever got to these points to dismantle these systems from the inside. And in many ways we've already reached that point yeah. and it's not looking great for us. The
2: genie does seem to be out of the bottle in some ways.
1: Um
2: Especially on the social
1: internet, it feels really hopeless sometimes. Like also, Nineteen Eighty Four is way more cyberpunk than I initially like. Then okay. I, 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 it's not usually labeled that way because the like the emphasis isn't on the tech, which is usually like a big trope in cyberpunk. Yeah. But just the i like the the idea of like a digital surveillance state being yeah, written about cyberpunk. in nineteen forty nine. Was it? That's yeah. pretty fucking just. Dis- <laughs> it's pretty fucking cyberpunk. Dog. Did you yeah. get?
0: Did you get to listen to the Afterword by uh Eric or Eric Fromm?
2: Mine didn't have
1: that. No.
0: Um, he basically um he's got some really great ideas about what well, you just talked about, like um about how it says it on page two sixteen. Let's see, and he mentions it in the essay. Great ideas about um it's in the Goldstein bit. Says, thus the party rejects and vilifies the principle for which the socialist movement originally stood, and it chooses to do this in the name of socialism, which um, he talks about more like how George Orwell took that because people will change what things mean, you know, like you just talked about, um, that a lot of people say that George Orwell was a communist because he fought fascists, even though in the, the bio in the very beginning, it says he was critical of communism but considered himself a socialist Um, he hated intellectuals although he was a literary critic he yeah anyway um, man of George has got
2: his own double think yeah many wrinkles (laughs) oh wait fuck no no don't kick me I didn't mean it like that
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) he also talks about in the afterward the meaning of the book and um, but the part that you reminded me of it's like Right at the very end, um, well, I guess right before the very end, um, he says something. Let's see Orwell, as well as the two other authors, he's talking about uh, the authors who wrote nineteen eighty or sorry, 1984 Brave New World and uh, gosh, Adolphus Huxley, anyway, yeah, Huxley and someone else. Um, he says. Is simply implying that the new form of uh, managerial industrial- industrialism in which man builds machines which act like men and develops men who act like machines is conductive to an era of dehumanization, complete alienation, in which men are transformed into things and become appendices, appendices to the process of production and consumption. And then I wrote, he would have loved AI. <laughs> so, especially chat at this GT time where like the chat AI GT. is literally taking over everything that like artists can hope to do like and hope to <laughs> achieve and accomplish which brings me back bro to the original point of it all the indomitable human spirit <laughs> that um, I guess the way I don't know the way that we can overcome this world, let's see. I'll share that quote now about what the book is about. Um, it is can human. So the question it poses is: Can human nature be changed in such a way that man will forget his longing for freedom, for dignity, for integrity, for love, or is it to say that man can forget that he is human? And in the very end, um, from says um, the hope that can be realized only by recognizing. So 1984 teaches us, the danger with which all men are confronted today, the danger of a society of automatons who will have lost every trace of individuality, of love, of critical thought, and yet who will not be aware of it because of doublethink. And what I drew from this was, um, I guess, what the book is telling us to do is to embrace art, to embrace literature, to embrace individuality, um, embrace self-love. And when the world starts to take it from you, find a way around it. Create something without the bounds of technology and the patterns and uniformity. Um, it made me think of that. I've seen it on TikTok, like Instagram, all over Um the Italian clothing company, fashion company that's making clothes that um, can confuse face detecting software, Um, things like that, where you just go around the things that are taking your individuality from you, find a way around it because you can, because we have for centuries, we have, um, we created these developments. We created this technology and that society so we can break it too. And um, that's ultimately what I got from this book was that you need, and I don't know if that's what Orwell really wanted us to get, but I don't really give a shit. What I got from this was that, was that you need to look inside yourself, find that person who you are, and love that person and love that individual and recognize your individuality as a human and while you can be spiritual you can be religious if that makes you happy and it makes you it it is part of you as an individual that's fine (laughs) but don't let it encompass you don't let religion or society or Even literature, you know, the one, like the things that don't let any one thing encompass you so fully that you forget who you are because in that, when that happens, like we are taken over and there's no going back. I'm going to
1: use my individualism to reject your proposal and conform.
0: Period. As long as you're not hurting anyone else, that's fine.
2: (laughs) What do you think Orwell would have thought about the Big Brother uh, reality TV show?
0: I think I think he's screaming,
2: <laughs> but, but he knows their... that he
0: created it because had he never written the book, they wouldn't have named it Big Brother. You know,
2: that's kind of like the biggest dick move, honestly. A reality TV to show. just like shit. <laughs> on... you know what I mean, like, like literally create a surveillance state for a house. <laughs> Yeah,
1: it's like literally great. creating a a reality show named Voldemort or something. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Well, goals. Um, Should
2: we uh, put it? Oh, wait, no, we don't have a list for this because it's a book.
0: I mean, yeah.
2: And we, have
1: we a... are supposed to write poetry. Yeah,
2: we do have to write poetry, but
0: if you want um, the whole list of notes that I wrote. um on this piece of paper, I'll post a picture in the... Po- in the oh, I'll post a picture in the Patreon. <laughs> picture, the p- in the p- post a picture in the Patreon in the Regal app.
1: Put it on the Patreon, bruv. Run it. Run it. What you thinking?
0: And then if you want to buy this copy... Here, listen to this. Oh. This marked-up copy of 1984. I'm selling it for 5,000 US dollars. <laughs> um Yeah. So, we'll put that on the Patreon too.
2: And she'll she'll she'll, she'll give it a little smooch too. I will I'll get, listen right now. Little, I'm opening with opening it
0: right now um to a random page. Page 176. I did I wrote I wrote a I underlined a quote here and it says there is no possibility that any perceptible change will happen within our own lifetime we are dead only our only true life is in the future we shall take part in it as handfuls of dust and splinters of bone and i'm kissing that quote right now so if you want this 5k cough so it up honey
1: her bath water.
2: she's also gonna fart on it no i'm and... not
0: Unless you want to give me 5,000 more dollars, then maybe I will.
2: All right. Fast forward noise here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I guess I'm ready. I want to go second today because I never go second.
1: (laughs) Alec, you go first. Plus double goodful good thinker. To trust another is to mark oneself for death, but to trust no one is to be dead already. Neil, says the man in your head, over and 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 over. The eyes watch, never blinking, be it Big Brother or Sauron or your own forward-facing camera. What's the difference? And if you knew the difference, what would it matter? Keep a watchful eye on it. Don't blink. It can only move when yours are closed. Mm.
0: He really nice. said, that was. he really said, Lord of the Rings, Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> the. <laughs>
1: Goddamn. What's the matter, Robert?
2: Oh, <laughs> no, I wasn't sure if you'd kicked her or if she or if you kicked <laughs> or you left. Um
1: she disconnected It's herself. I'm I'll give her that autonomy because it's women's month. <laughs> she better fucking watch it though. There's only like 3 days left of that shit.
0: There. Why do you think I'm fleeing this state?
1: Come April, dog. Whew. You talked about
2: the uh the front-facing camera and that's something that we didn't talk about very much, but uh yeah the uh self-imposed surveillance state that we find ourselves in is uh, it's, uh probably not would it make orwell very happy Rebecca
0: <laughs> it's i was going to say it's great too because like you say self-imposed and that's so real it's so self-imposed that people just like forget that it's there like people will call in to our establishment at work looking for our help and then refuse to give us their information even though they've got a facebook and they don't want to give (laughs) us their email crazy anyway um here's mine the future is not ours little sister it belongs to the pockmarked lands of nuclear fallout and the ever-watching eyes of some hollow loyalist behind a telescreen the past is not ours, little sister. It belonged to the heroes and revolutionaries. Top hats off to them, whose happy ending was had before the world split apart. This life now is ours, little sister. This life we cannot control. This city built on beggars for the rich, for riches' sake. Yes, this life, and only this one, is ours. So take it and run.
2: Mm. Top hats off. Oh,
0: Probably
1: bats.
2: Oh, I love
0: the (laughs) fucking top hats. (laughs) Homie went with feral for those top hats.
2: (laughs) Uh, Okay. Tattooed eyes on the inside of every loose flap and fold only blink when every sense is fully engaged. Shoulder to the wheel, bosom ablaze. Orwell would rage at the sight of a young man begging big brother to stay the night. Or maybe not. Ghosts are real, but they only have power if you feed it bread and water weekly.
0: Period. Mm. Period.
1: Period. Well, ghouls. We just watched a little book. We've done some 19s. We've done <laughs> some 84s. And now we've done 1984. And now we've done 1984. What's next? Arrival. It's arrival. Arrival is next. So. And a uh, big spoiler. <laughs> well,
2: you, what you ghouls don't know is he actually just spoiled the entirety of <laughs> of uh arrival. <laughs> Fuck you. (laughs) But all you're going to get is a bunch of bleeps. And you know what? Maybe he said something heinous in there, and uh, we're covering for him.
0: Maybe. Who
1: knows? Go watch Arrival, though. It's a good movie.
2: It's a fucking amazing movie.
1: It
0: it really is.
2: Yeah. Super good. Right up my alley. Love me some aliens. All right, girls. We love you. The music's by Chase, I guess. Who we also love. Fucking ratings. We have multiple ratings on Spotify now. We need wow. more. And
1: Aww. they're all five star, Aww. which is great. Wow. Thank you. We love you. Aww. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. And remember
2: $5,000 for a smooched copy of 1984.
1: Awesome. Good night. Good night. Becca on. Good night.
0: I should raise the price to 15k.